Do you want to learn how to effectively manage your family finances? We'll tell you in this episode of Happily Unmarried. Hi, my name is Danielle. And my name is Daniel. And you're listening to the Happily Unmarried podcast, a podcast about adulting and living your best life. In this episode, we will talk about how to manage your family finances, split recurring bills, and save up together for that big trip. If you like our podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes and don't forget to subscribe. Okay, so there are a few ways that couples may choose to manage their finances. So let's start by talking about some of the upsides and downsides of each of these when we consider how we want to approach these shared finances. Um, Before we dive in, we should briefly discuss income discrepancies since it will be coming up a few times in this discussion. Uh, So when we say income discrepancy, what we're referring to is when one partner makes significantly more money than the other. All right, so you know that being said, let's let's dive right in here. So the first approach that, that we're going to discuss here when it comes to you know managing shared finances is what we all, we're going to call the fully merged finance approach. So, uh, what does that mean exactly? Um, so, fully merged finances are basically when both partners uh, contribute to a common pool of money and they share all their accounts and bank accounts, credit cards. All of them have both of their names on them, so they're, they're fully shared, essentially. Right. Uh, so, you know, some of the upsides to this is that it's really easy to manage when you only have one bank account. So uh, all the money goes in one place and all the money comes out of that same place. Um, it makes it also very easy to track uh, and see, like, the inflow of money, outflow of money, how much money do you have left and stuff like that. Working out of the same account is that there's potential for scrutinizing the other, you know, one person scrutinizing the other for their purchases um, and questioning them on the things that they purchase. Right. So if if I'm if we're making different amounts of money and I'm putting a lot of money into the common account and you go and spend that on stuff that I don't think is uh, really necessary, then I could feel um, taken advantage of, for example. Right. When you're combining accounts you're not only you know pulling your money but you essentially have to you're grandfathering in your partner's debt because by pulling our money together you know if i've got student loan debt well now that debt is being paid from the joint account right the common money is paying for whatever debts that person already had coming into the relationship right so that's one approach uh, the next one we're going to call one pot both couples get an allowance. That almost sounds dirty. <laughs> <laughs> one, one pot, two allowances? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the idea with this one is that both partners pool all of their money into one account, very similar to the one that we just discussed. Uh, and that one account is, again, going to pay all of the the purchases, all or the common, I should say, purchases and, and bills. But in this instance, both partners receive an allowance. And to be clear, this allowance is for personal expenses. So things that are not for the family. Um, so if I want to buy myself a new computer, for example, to play my video games on, right? That would be something that I would have to pay from my own allowance. Right. Um, So one, I think, of the upside is that it is a more fair distribution uh, of spending money. 
I, I guess, and however you the however you would choose to distribute that money is really up to you as a couple, whether you want to do that 50-50 or proportionally based on salary. Uh, it's meant to be more fair. Right. It also gives um, a certain degree of privacy, what you're spending your money for. Mm. So your partner, you would assume that the partners have their separate bank accounts for those allowances that the allowances are being transferred in. And then at that point, it's it's my business, what I do with my part of the allowance. Right. So that that removes that scrutiny part right. or piece from, from the right, previous exactly. example. So it, essentially, in a lot of ways, the one part with allowance is the same approach as before um except for that it adds the allowance specifically to address some of the problems of the of the previous one right um as far as downsides though speaking of fair you know what it what really is fair right right so when it could potentially be a point of contention in the relationship if again we've got this income discrepancy one person makes significantly more and they feel that you know they should it, that it's not fair that they aren't basically having control of all of the money that they they make right or the other way around that the person that um is making less and contributing less feels like they should get an equal amount um if they don't so um i think the important thing here is that both partners need to agree on what this allowance should look like in this scenario uh and they need to do so happily right um to to prevent any contention or 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 opportunities for arguments later so i think a somewhat reduced version of this of one pot is having a a shared account for shared recurring expenses so both parties would r- remain in full control of their financial assets and accounts so far um with but a new account is being introduced to which both parties contribute um money uh and the exact amount that a the exact amount that they contribute as well as if they contribute to in equal amounts or in some form of ratio that's like open for discussion um but the thing is that the money in that account is then being used for recurring expenses. And what exactly those expenses are is also open for discussion. Um, common examples could be groceries, uh, utility bills, rent, rent, um, or a mortgage. Um, couples need to agree on, on what exactly falls under this hood and how much they want to contribute. Obviously, the contribution amount needs to be sufficient to actually cover those expenses so if you have like a bunch of utility bills that you pay from this account every month if one month or for a couple months maybe in the winter or something or in the the heat of the summer some utility bills suddenly go up and exceed the amount that you contribute you need to have some amount of buffer to to deal with that Um, right and i i'm gonna go out on a limb here i really think that this probably is the most popular way um, at least from people that I know, mm-hmm. uh, couples choose to to organize their finances. Again, it, it provides a little, it provides that 
you're you're responsible for your own account and you're not being scrutinized for what you spend your money on as long as you're taking the amount of money that you need to and putting it into that shared account so that bills can get paid. Um, one other thing that you didn't address, well, two things really. So I think another upside is that this is where before where I said you have to grandfather in someone's debt uh, in a case like this, after the pool has been paid, then you're responsible for your additional debt. So credit card bills or, or phone bills or um, de- uh, school loans that might also come into play. Right. Uh, and then the other point I was going to make as far as kind of maybe a downside is while it's great that we're accounting for those kind of regular reoccurring purchases like rent and uh, utilities, but we also have other shared expenses that, you know, couples also have other shared expenses that, that they have to think about like going on vacation or, you know, purchases for the home uh, and where that really falls into, does that go into the pool? Does that get paid outside of the pool? Uh, There's a little bit, there's more questions that need to be answered because this doesn't actually cover every single expense that a couple has. Um, it obviously depends on what the couple agrees on what they want to cover with that um, from 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 the pool. A, another option um, is to have fully separate accounts, but then split the bills. For example, you pay um, electricity. I pay garbage. That that would be a good split, right? <laughs> Not in this house. <laughs> um, and. You pay for Netflix, and, and you I, pay rent, and I pay rent. <laughs> <laughs> or literally, um, every bill you you split in half, and you, you use an app like Splitwise or something, yeah, something like to that. then just pay your partner for your yeah. half. Yeah. One 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 upside of this <laughs> is if you if you don't trust your partner, this is like this is the the best option, the, the safest option. <laughs> yeah. You can literally ask them to show them the bill for for how much, yeah. and to make sure that they're not ripping you off. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think this can also be helpful if you do have a pretty significant income discrepancy, where maybe one person makes twice, two or three times as much money as the other, and they really want to live in a more expensive, you know, home that their partner can't necessarily afford. So uh, there's times where the the split is convenient for that, where the person who makes more money says, okay, well, I'll pay rent, and then you you can cover the utilities. Right. Uh, one drawback of this approach, however, could be that, or can be, that um, if whatever way you split the bills, if any of the bills is not stable as in it fluctuates or sometimes goes up or sometimes down or if you have a rent increase right or um you buy a fancy new tv that requires significantly more power and your electricity bill goes up or something like that um you could end up with an imbalanced uh uh distribution of bills not only that even it could be hardened from in the beginning to find a split for the bills that actually works Right. Right. And you think that it's you've agreed upon that and then bills change and fluctuate and all of a sudden it's no longer the same distribution that was yeah. current like previously agreed on. Right. <clears throat> all right. Uh the last one here. Um single provider. One person controls all the money, providing the non provider with an allowance. There are no good reasons for this. <laughs> I hate this one so much. It really bothers me. 
This is basically an extreme version of the very first one. In the very first one, uh, both people contribute into a common pool, uh, and then and it's used for everything. In this case, however, only one person contributes into a common pool. Um, and I think part of the reason we do not like this is um, obviously we we believe that both partners should contribute financially to to a family, but um, we don't like this because usually the person that is the sole provider is also in control of all the money. And with being in control of all the money, this creates a significant power imbalance in the relationship. Um, In the worst case, right? right, This could be used to um, punish punish or or, or, um, retaliate. Have a question or something to say? Join the community discussion by following us on Twitter at Unmarried Media. Use hashtag HU003 to discuss this episode. Cutting somebody off from their money is one of the first signs of abuse. So the fact that one partner has all the control and power in the decision-making and access to the money and cutting, cutting off the other, that's just a really slippery slope uh, when it comes to what they can do and and with that money. And of course you trust your partner, right? And they would, they would never abuse their position of power, but the fact that they don't need to abuse this position of power for, for this dynamic to implicitly to exist. Um, And so we would caution people, I think, from from choosing this approach. Right. Yeah. And I mean, just also with, you know, obviously the trends are changing. But back when, you know, let's go to the 50s when men were working and the women were staying home there and this kind of idea of a traditional marriage. That leaves less security. And for this example, for the for the wife, for the woman, because she isn't working, she might be out of work for a really long time. So if the relationship breaks up, she now has to go back into the workforce. She doesn't know what she's valued at. And and she may or may not have access to any money from her partner. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So now that we've outlined a few ways to manage family finances, let's talk a little bit about how we manage ours. Uh, we should probably start by talking about where we were financially when we first met and before we moved in with each other and kind of what challenges we faced. Sure. Yeah. So when you and I met, I was a single mother. I had a, my own apartment. Uh, it was questionable, but it was my own and my, I was working full time and my daughter was in daycare full time. So I was stretched very thin. I was getting some outside help. I was living paycheck to paycheck. I was not saving any money. And I had recently inherited a whole bunch of debt from my ex-husband as part of the divorce. Sounds great. Yeah. I was living my best life. (laughs) Um, I, on the other hand, um, I was living with roommates, uh, I did not have any debt. Um, I did not have any children to care for. Um, and thankfully, I was able to to save money. Um, you also made twice as much money as I did. Yeah. At that time. Approximately. 
because that was at the very beginning of my career. So when we decided to move in together and we were trying to figure out the best way to organize our finances in a way that we felt was fair and, you know, had an equal distribution of power, uh, we thought that we had it figured out. Uh, until we ran into some issues. So what I mean by that is we were going to go with uh, the option where we keep separate accounts and we have one joint account that we use to pay for uh, household expenses that we agreed upon. So we were going to pay our rent, our utilities, our groceries, all from this account. Right. Everything else we had said we would... Uh, oh, and I should mention that account was going to be contributed to by each of us as 50-50. Right. Now... What I quickly realized when we were planning on moving in together and we were talking about buying furniture and, and things for the house that, you know, you were excited because you were no longer living with roommates and you wanted to buy nice things. Right. I, at that point in my life, was very intimidated by money. I had a lot of anxiety about money. Mm-hmm. I still do. Not as much. Um so this immediately started to freak me out because I realized, well, there's no way that I'm going to be able to afford 50% of all of these nice things that we want to to buy together to build our home together. Right. So what we did in response to that, um, like we talked about this, uh, we had a couple of long discussions about um, how you feel about this and what, 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 this, what this does for you and your situation. And so what we decided on was that we would establish another shared account um, where we would not contribute in equal amounts, but adjust it based on our income. Um, and uh, any... any Luxury expenses. Luxury expenses, like going on vacation or buying fancy new furniture, um, we would pay out of that account. Actually, another thing that we did, though, um, was... We also change the amount that we pay, that we contribute to rent to. Right. That we didn't do until after we had been living together for yeah. for a while. I think when we when we initially f- moved in, we and after plenty of discussions, we decided that we were going to have two shared accounts. One account we would contribute to equally to pay for household expenses, mm-hmm. reoccurring expenses, I should say, and... One that we and just to be clear, some examples here are groceries, utility bills. I think those are and prob- rent. at that at time. the time. Yes, at the time, yeah. at the time those were the three. Uh, and then we opened up another shared account that we contributed to proportionally based on our income, and we used that account to buy nice things and go on vacation uh, and anything else that we kind of deemed more of a luxury. Right. And that worked for a little while until, uh, again, you know, I was, you know, I was trying to pay off a bunch of student debt. I was realizing that, you know, my spending money, what I had left over, just really wasn't comparable to what you had. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling frustrated because I felt like I was doing much better financially, but I still was living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't actually. I think that actually what bothered me the most was that I felt like I wasn't able to contribute to my savings to my retirement at the rate, that, the you rate to. that I wanted to, right? Yeah. So that's I think when you offered to adjust how we b- were paying rent at that time, right? Um, and 
it's not exactly proportional to our income or anything. I no. think we just we just Pick made the up the numbers. Yeah. yeah. Um, so once we did that, I think I was able to, you know, I, I felt like I was in a good place. I was able to contribute in ways that I wanted to. And uh, I think for both of us, we we felt like things, it, the the power dynamic between the two of us felt felt more equal in, yeah. that, in that way. Um, um, one thing that we should uh, note or mention, I think, is that for both accounts, they require uh regular maintenance right so for the adjusted account um whenever any of us gets a pay raise um or any other factors change in this equation we need to recalculate um how much each of us contributes into the account and also if we want to change the total amount that we want to contribute um, we, we have to make sure that works for both. Yes, we need to make sure. Yeah. If I just decide, oh, I'm going to start putting three times as much into this account because I can afford it. So yeah, <laughs> if, 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 if you're like, if you say I'm, I'm going to contribute a hundred dollars more per month, then I might not be able to actually match that because I have to pay more. Your your one hundred dollars are like my three hundred dollars or right. whatever. And that works well. That's I don't think we have any problem with no. that. I th- actually, for the equal contribution account no for the equal split one it's a little bit more complicated um we actually recently had to increase our contributions twice a week to from each other or basically i was on maternity leave <laughs> and i was doing a lot of cooking so i think our groceries our grocery expenses significantly because i was making. bored and cooking was the and only thing <laughs> to we <keep> we had <laughs> relatively recently just moved into our new house so some of our um utility bills have changed PG&E as well has gone up a bit yeah. um so we 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 had accounted for that by increasing the contribution amount into that account yep. another thing that we've mentioned before and i think we'll probably end up doing a whole separate episode on this mm-hmm. is uh we purchased a house together last year and we wanted to make sure that our approach to buying the house also fit with kind of our philosophy uh, in making sure that both partners felt equal. Uh, and one of less specifically me wasn't feeling stretched too far. Um, I think the basic philosophy was like, we wanted to be tenants in common in the house. So each of us would own a proportion of the house in the end. Um, and the goal was that, we both would contribute to the expenses for the house um, at a rate that is equal to our ownership. So if we owned the house 50-50, we would both pay 50% of the interest for the mortgage, 50% of the principal, 50% of property taxes, and 50% the down payment, payment, uh, 50% of the down payment, and 50% of all the uh, maintenance and, and improvement expenses um, going forward. Right. And so I could not afford 50% right. uh, because then I would have gotten pushed. I mean, I, I could have afforded mm-hmm. 50%, but it would have stretched me again too thin, I think, to, to make to me comfortable. So we decided to do what is it now? 4258. 4258, right. So we own the house 50% and 40, I'm sorry. 4258. 4258. And all of. If it's 50, 42, who owns the other 8%? <laughs> and then all of the expenses with the house, we also split. Right. So you only pay 42% of principal interest, down payment, improvements, uh, and property taxes. 
Okay, so I think the last thing that we wanted to talk about is that we don't have any common savings uh, or non-collateral debt. So our house is, is the only debt that we share. We each maintain our own savings accounts, our own um, retirement savings, credit cards, our own credit cards. All of that is is separate. Don't intend on combining that. I don't think. I mean, oh, we we, really. we 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 did talk about potentially um, establishing some common savings specifically for uh, college for right. our, our children. Yeah, we haven't quite figured that out yet. Maybe we'll talk about it down the line once we figure out how we're going to start saving for college. I think initially we just were, you know what, when the time comes, we'll have enough in our basically retirement in our retirement savings and it won't, you know, be too much of an impact and we'll just be able to pay for things there. Uh, but you know, Daniel actually made a really good point about this when we, when we started talking and I think, you know, we mentioned this in our last uh, episode being that we are not married. We have to talk a lot about what will happen if we break up. (laughs) So we had one of those discussions this afternoon, actually, where we said, okay, well, Potentially, yes, we will absolutely have the money for college, but what if we break up? And, you know, there's no actual, there's no money that we've actually put aside and to dedicate to college. Uh, you know, you might love the person you're with and think they are the best person in the world, but they also can end up being the person that you hate most. <laughs> <laughs> So we wanted to, you know, as discussing that meant that we, you know, we need to think about the insurance around uh, saving for college. So once we figure that out, maybe we'll talk about it a little bit more. All right. So lastly, why don't we talk about what kind of tools we use to stay organized? That might be helpful. Right. Um, we use a couple of tools to manage our finances, both in terms of keeping track of them for ourselves as well as reconciling the different uh, uh, split accounts that we have, as well as mortgage and and, and whatnot. Um, so I think really important, at least for me, I use that quite a lot, is Mint, um, which is an application that you can add all your different accounts, bank accounts, credit cards, mortgage accounts, all that stuff. You add it all into that application, and then it, it's a single point where you can go and see what's what's going on with your financials. That's where you find out just how much money you're spending on Amazon every month. <laughs> exactly. Join us next time and we'll discuss Teslas and other EVs and what they can provide for your family. To not miss that or any other episode, subscribe to a podcast on iTunes or wherever else you listen to podcasts. So we also, when it comes to the joint accounts, we thought it made the most sense to utilize online banking accounts banking accounts. So we chose Ally. Uh, it's an online only bank. Uh, I think I mean, s- setting up the accounts was relatively easy to do. Yeah, the, the joint accounts are a little bit more complicated because you actually need to fill out a paper form and send it in. <laughs> um, but uh, once you've done that, yeah, it, it becomes trivial to add additional accounts. Uh, and so that way we can easily you know, since everything's online, we, we set up autom- I, we have automatic payments from our you know pay stubs and bank accounts, and it's easier to transfer money back and forth. Uh, we don't get charged any fees if we need to take money out of the mm-hmm. ATM. And uh, that's somewhat a side note, but the Ally, Al- yeah, Ally, okay. um, savings accounts have really good interest rates for saving accounts. Um. So yeah, we 
we basically have two joint accounts there that we just finance uh, fund at the rate that we had a, have agreed upon. Our personal accounts are at different banks. Right. Um, and so one good thing about this as well is we have two debit cards uh, or each of us has a debit card for each of the accounts. So if we have need to make any purchases on one of these accounts, um, we can just use the debit cards for that. Right, yeah. So if I go to the grocery store, I'll pull out the 50-50 split account card and use right. that to pay for food. Right. Or if we go buy some furniture, we can use the adjusted split. So it's great because, you know, although we do most of our shopping online, fortunately we can't do it all. <laughs> um, then we also just use old school Excel spreadsheets. Um <laughs> Especially around our mortgage, um, we use that heavily, um, both in in preparation um, when we're trying to figure out what, how big of a mortgage can we afford, how we can, how can we split it and stuff. We we put together an Excel spreadsheet that help Helped calculate all that, that stuff. Out. Yeah, and then we we track all our expenses for the house in another Excel spreadsheet that we then once per year make sure. Or t- we go over it a couple times a year, but like we at least we want to make sure that we basically balance out according to our percentages. Because sometimes I will pay for a repair or an improvement that has to be get done, or you will pay for it, and we, we just want to make sure that at the end of the year or at some other point um, that we we balance out the expenses according to the proportions. Right, so it makes it easy. So. I can see, okay, I owe you an additional $500 for uh, something that we've done in the house that I haven't yet paid. And that way it's, we can make sure that you know everything is sticking to our original agreement, essentially. Uh, as far as payment apps go, so the only thing that we don't pay for from our, from when it comes to like household expenses is uh, our mortgage, uh, Daniel pays that directly from his bank account. Is that because that's the bank that you? Our, yeah. our loan is from the bank that you bank at. I have my 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 main bank account is and is the same bank that our mortgages. Right. So you pay that every month, and then I just use Facebook payment to pay you. Uh, I use Facebook over Venmo because I always run into problems with Venmo whenever I'm trying to send someone money that's over a like certain amount. Yeah, large amounts just don't uh, agree with Venmo. And also when you do it through Venmo, they hold on to the money for a few days. Uh, so Right, then, it doesn't go into your bank account immediately. Right. It goes into your Venmo account and then Hangs you have to there. retrieve it actively from there. Whereas Facebook Messenger payment... It's immediate. It it goes directly into your bank account. So you don't have to wait three days for... And for and don't have to do anything on my end. It just ends up in my bank right. account. So that that's, I think, worked really well for us. We actually use Facebook payments quite a bit when we're sending money back and forth yeah. to each other. So we, we use um, Amazon Fresh a lot uh, for our groceries. Um, and uh, Amazon has this uh, credit, card. credit card, which gives you basically 5% cashback for all purchases that you do on Amazon, including Amazon Fresh. Um, so we could use our grocery debit card to pay for Amazon Fresh directly, but we'd be missing out on those on this 5% cashback. So the Amazon credit card is in my name, and I also use it for my personal purchases on Amazon. Um, 
but we also pay our Amazon Fresh orders uh, through that credit card. So what this what this creates is a situation where there's two streams of uh, two different streams of expenses on this credit card that need to be untangled at some point because my personal expenses I have to I have to pay for those um, and the grocery expenses on Amazon Fresh the equal split account has to pay for so what we do is we have created a a grocery budget based on how much we've spent on groceries in the past um, and the the grocery account automatically pays this amount of money to the Amazon credit card every month. Um, and it does that a couple of days before the payment is due on the credit card. Um, and then I've set the credit card to debit the rest of the credit card payment from my account. So I, I basically I pay the rest of, of whatever's on the credit card. So... Well, for the most part, this works pretty well. The amount of groceries that we buy is not fixed. So sometimes we'll spend more or less money uh, some some months. So I actually have to go every couple of months and reconcile, reconcile how much money the equal split card has paid to the credit card and how much money we've actually spent on groceries on that credit card. Um, you use Mint for that. Yes, I, I, I use Mint for that. It works really well. Um, what I do is I basically I can very easily identify all the uh, charges to the credit card from Amazon Fresh versus other Amazon, um, and can just sum up how much money we spend on Amazon Fresh, and can compare that to the amount of payments payments that came into the credit card from the Equal Split account. And then we've got that five percent cash back, which you, I think you tend to use back towards yeah, groceries. I, I, I or I actually, other household. I actually expenses. use it more for like other household expenses. Like we need to buy a picture frame for something or a tool for something tools or, or the, the the baby needs new diapers or something like that. Okay. Um, so wrapping it up, what's the point of all this? Why did we decide to talk about finances on our third I, I, episode? I don't know. <laughs> who, uh, who would do something crazy like that? And, you know, I think we mentioned this a few times for us, you know, that, that balance of power is super important. And, it really does set a foundation when it comes to just your relationship in general. So, you know, one partner shouldn't feel like the other has more control over money or money making decisions. Um, I think it's not a surprise that financial issues are one of the leading causes of divorce. That makes sense. Um, we all need money or to survive to survive like we need our lives are not free um and often not cheap and and a lot of people are struggling with just paying for their regular expenses and 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 um and end up in debt and whatever right right and it, it's it's funny that or it's not but you know Financial issues are one of the leading causes of divorce, and it's also one topic that people are the most afraid to talk about and or don't want to talk about. I think you know we've kind of got a running theme here that you need to talk 
to your partner and have open communication, especially about things that require, you know, decisions to be made. Otherwise, you know, you're going to end up in a situation where you're, you know, there's a lot of contention and anxiety uh, around something that you feel you have no control over of uh, when really, if you would just talk to your partner and come to a place of compromise or agreement or understanding. Right. Uh, and even if, um, I think this is, this is really important, even if it is intimidating to do so. It's so intimidating. Right. Um, you used to have to like force me to like, we would have set times where it was like, okay, we're going to sit down now and talk about this because I was so intimidated by it. It gave me so much anxiety to talk about it. I didn't want to look at my, I mean, I knew I, I had a sense of my finances. I knew that everything was being taken care of, but I didn't want to look and get in deep with it. I, I remember when we were, um, planning on buying the house together we were trying to figure out what you could actually afford and you were basically tiptoeing around just sitting down and creating a budget that like a current budget that would show you what your expenses are and what your what your earnings are um it took forever to convince you to actually do i know that. i didn't want to because i was afraid of what i was gonna see <laughs> um but yeah i think we'll 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 probably have um an episode in the future specifically about having hard conversations um uh both in your personal life as well as in your business life right. um work let us know how you manage your family finances and how often you talk to your partner about money tell us on twitter at unmarried media using the hashtag hu003 if you want to support us and our work, please check out how to do so at happilyunmarried.media/support. I'm Daniel, and I'm Danielle, and, and we're, we're happily, happily unmarried. unmarried.